Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Drive Time Show. It's absolutely fantastic that you're joining us here today and on what is a one of a fantastic days, I would say. And uh, I'll tell you all about it in a short while, but just to let you know that here in London, here in our studios, outside the window, it's pretty abysmal outside. And this morning it was snowing where <laughs> we were. And I don't know if it was similar to you in March. We are in March. Today is the 8th of March and... We are not sure what's happening here with the weather system, but a lot of people talk about it. It's something to do with the climate change, right? So uh, I'm Hanif Khan and I'm with Anik. Anik, assalamu alaikum. May peace be upon you. Thank you very much. Uh, peace, peace be upon you as well. Maybe today is uh, snowing because it's uh, International Women's Day. That's God the one. <laughs> Some people love the snow, right? Yeah, they yeah. too, like most people would, would respect and understand how beautiful today is where the United Nations have set today, the 8th of March, as the International Women's Day. And on this occasion, we will, as Brother Anik has said, that we'll be talking about uh, this day and understanding the most magnificent women of all religions and of all believers and also many other people as well uh, more so about the historical women who are role models and for those who are believers in religion we know today you can choose anyone to be your role model can't you like your teacher growing up um, now you see the lionesses the england mm. football team etc there's so many things right that people can turn to mm. but actually we are voice of islam and we're a religious station we want to talk about the the, the great role models um and wh- which role model are we deciding to focus <clears throat> on today anik yeah we'll be discussing mary which is named in islam maryam and uh, we will be discussing uh, this, uh, you know, especially regarding Mary, the son, uh, the mother of uh, Jesus. And in Islam, so much respect has been given to Mary. And, you know, in the Holy Quran, God Almighty himself has mentioned her name and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, instructed the, what is the status of uh, Mary in, mm. in God's eyes. And that's what God us to understand. And, you know, God clears some misconceptions which we find in, in, in Bible and God has given back the status, the purity that, you know, the the Mary, she was pure. She didn't do anything wrong. And the son who came out of her, it was, from, it was you know, a miracle from God Almighty. Yeah. Uh, so amazing. Yeah, we'll delve into that a lot more. But obviously, if there's something that um, you want to talk to us about, about someone who inspired you and who mm. is your role model, that's the question we're asking on Instagram. You know, let us know. We'll share that. And then I think majority of the people will say my mother because a lot of people are inspired. It just shows you mm. the role uh, that um, women have played in everyone's life that m- the majority of the responses we'll get is my mother and um, if you remember, there is this wonderful book by Jordi Zafullah Khan, who wrote a book about my mother, who was the first foreign secretary of Pakistan. It's a brilliant book that I recommend that anyone w- would like to read. But it's really interesting, Anik, isn't it, that uh, Mother Mary is very much associated mm. with crea- with Christianity. Yeah, yes. But actually, in Islam, we there's a whole chapter dedicated to uh, Mary. And mm. many people of variations call their children Maryam, yes. Maria, Mary, don't they? One of our mosques is called Maryam as well in, in, in uh, Ireland. So, you know, in, as, as you were mentioning regarding the one chapter of the Holy Quran is named Maryam. And God has, you know, taken the name of Maryam more than any other woman in, in, in the Holy Quran. Mm. 
and uh, you know if we uh, go chapter 19 specifically if somebody want to read that chapter what chapter is in the holy quran in chapter 19 where god has given the name the chapter maryam so you know uh, if uh, you know she was even mentioned more than uh, more times in the holy holy quran in than the bible bible maybe must have mentioned less than the holy quran and that's what we wanted to basically present here that the maryam or mary mother of jesus god has loved her so much mm. and you know god has you know presented her in the holy quran to follow her footsteps and for mother especially to become a role model like her and it's really interesting that's why on this international women's day mm. we are choosing women of a religious background that where we can talk about what they have achieved because we talk many times in today when i've been listening to a lot of the kind of radio station tv channels and reading on on all the news a lot of it is very much in in the say the 20th century 21st century where we're seeing today there are mm-hmm. many and they have done some amazing things but many people forget that when you look at the core teachings of many religions especially in islam the rights of women that was given to them in mm-hmm. a in a society that had children or girls or baby girls as worse than second class citizens and I I'll, I'll ask you to relate something and eek later on in the show of, of a story um of which was relayed to his holy prophet muhammad may peace and blessings of allah be upon him that may just tears come down yes. his eyes and we'll share that uh, that story uh, later but then again you know it is our belief that hazrat maryam may peace be upon her does hold a really high spiritual rank because it even mentions it in the holy quran yeah, in chapter 3 verse 43 god almighty says you know and remember when the angel said o mary god has chosen thee and purified thee and chosen the above the women of all people and you know if you go on if you move on to a hadith the saying of the holy prophet peace be upon him he said where it was reported that the holy prophet sallam said the best woman of her time was maryam mm. you know even the holy prophet peace be upon him has mentioned that the best woman of her time was maryam so when the holy prophet peace be upon him is you know praising somebody that means mm. it was you know dearer to in the eyes of god almighty and uh, the holy prophet himself has understood what kind of status she holds in front of in front of god almighty and what are why we should follow her yeah um one of the things that when i was looking into this subject and actually reading the, the notes that are being given to us when we we have this um program called wakfeno <laughs> right yes. and and wakfeno is and you might be able to give some more detail on it, it it's when you know you you dedicate you literally you dedicate the purpose of your time wealth and everything you are to the um to to the propagation of Islam but i it, it did struck me that actually when we think about this was hasn't maryam the first wakfeno yes you know i was called one of the program i think it's been two weeks now yeah and there were uh, you know a program with wakfina and all those who people who have devoted their life in the way of god almighty and uh, when i was doing my speech and i started that you know who was the first wakfeno who was the first devotee in in the history of uh, in the history of wakfeno nobody know, knew and when i told that he was uh, mary was the first wakfeno was the first devotee 
and everybody go amazed how is it possible the mother of jesus she was the first uh, you know devotee and we are basically following the same path and when i explained to her and that's what you know we find in the holy quran where the mother of mary said to god that whatever i have in my womb i'm going to devote that being in your path right in your way and uh, when you know as a mary, mary was born what happened actually her mother goes god i decided or i promised that i will you know sacrifice the child in in your way but she, she's a girl and god replied in the holy quran is mentioned that god knows what he has given birth to so you don't need to worry god knows what kind of work he wants from mary and we see in the life of maryam that he was she was so dedicated to god almighty she used to have a very strong bond with god almighty and one of the prophet who used to take care of him has zakaria and there's in this narration mentioned in the holy quran where you know uh, he saw that he is getting food from somewhere and he, he you know god almighty used to feed mary because she was praying all the time and you know worshiping all the time and that time even he prayed that god almighty give me a child similar like mary because i can see the relationship she had with god almighty ah uh, that, that, and that's what yeah. i think from we want from the devotees of uh, our community that the only the main purpose of them to become a devotee is to connect with god almighty to bring a true change on themselves you know try to you know uh, purify and uh, you can only purify yourself through praying to god almighty and uh, moving your whole attention yeah. towards you know towards god almighty i mean it's a really fantastic example that you give that uh, um has exactly wanted to have a child like um uh, has maria right again yes you can carry on i'll discuss something else yeah, after yeah yeah no no this but but in um, we we always want to reflect ourselves of people that we admire yes. right we say right well, i wish i could be like that person mm. or i wish i could have the traits of that person and we're talking about someone who was the first workman or one mm. who had been dedicated their life to the service of humanity mm. and mankind and and it's wonderful that but the kind of question i wanted to ask but we obviously stay your point first i wanted to say that you know sometimes people say that islam gives like a lower status to women as compared to men right sometimes we we see that especially when we look at situations currently and what happens in afghanistan you and i and our and our regular listeners who know voice mm. of islam radio we know that the what practices that are being done in mm. places like afghanistan are not a reflection of what the teachings True of islam, islam yes. are but the perception that people now see and recall they feel now in today's society that um islam treats women not equal but actually when you look at the true teachings over 1400 years ago mm. that wasn't the case right i wonder actually why they only look only afghanistan there are so many other muslim countries as well where you know the women are progressing they are doing whatever they want to do and yeah. they are getting best education i think they are more educated than men in in some countries if as you mentioned if you go back to the history of islam we see you know women were not treated as good as they are nowadays and they they had no rights and it was the holy prophet peace be upon him who given the right it was islam who given the right to women to, to for so many things and very fundamental the very important thing is to you know gain knowledge and because everything starts from here if somebody doesn't know what their rights are it, it, you know a person cannot ask for rights so basically the starting point was to get you know knowledge 
and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has mentioned one of the saying that it is compulsory. This, you know, both have the same right, regardless as a man or woman, they both should get you know knowledge and gain knowledge, and you know everything starts from there. And there's so many other you know rights are there which we'll be discussing in 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 our today's show. Yeah, no, I mean I really like when you started talking about this rights rights of women because mm. what I wanted to do was talk to our first guest. Okay. Um, our first guest who is on hold with us right now is um, Sumara Darik, and she um, is or or is studying or has a PhD. Um, at the Royal Holloway and she's researching the Pakistan's political history mm-hmm. as we know that Benaz- Benazir Bhutto was the mm-hmm. was a female was the first female um, president of, of Pakistan so I wanted to um, bring in our first guest to talk about this issue and start with like one of the first questions about what you mentioned about the rights that you feel that Islam has given uh, to women so let me uh, ask our first guest, Sumera uh, Tariq, thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're, you're most welcome. Welcome, Sumera. Peace be upon you as well. I mean, it's really fascinating the kind of PhD that you've been doing at Royal Holloway and looking at the Pakistan's political history. I mean, we, we see so many inequalities and equalities, and obviously one of the biggest things we see there is that Benazir Bhutto was the first female uh, president of Pakistan. I mean, the question I have for you first is, what are some of the rights that you feel Islam has given you as a woman? Um, well, uh, Islam has given several rights to women, but you have just mentioned that uh, it, it told women to get education, so the right to get education or to be educated is something that was institutionalized by Islam. Um, Islam encourages both men and women to seek knowledge and education. The Prophet said that seeking knowledge is obligatory for every Muslim, which includes women, of course. So it doesn't mean that before that women were not, maybe there were some women who did get education, but on a mass scale, women were not very educated prior to that. And then another critical aspect, which is just as important as education, but also equally, or maybe more or less, one could argue, and that is the right to own property. Women have the right to own and manage their own property, including land, money, or other assets. They have also the right to inherit property from their parents and husbands. So that is another aspect that is quite important if you want to empower a woman. If she doesn't have the right to property, then even education would not help her very much. So I think Islam's establishment for women to have their own property is, is quite revolutionary. And then the right to work. Islam recognizes the importance of women's contribution to society, allows them to work in any field they choose. Then the right to financial support. They're entitled to financial support by their husband and other male members, according to Islamic law. Then the right to choose a spouse is another, um, I think, quite important right in Islam. Islam gives women the right to choose their own husbands with the requirement that the marriage is based on mutual consent and agreement. Then the right to divorce. It's, again, a revolutionary thing was at that time, even now, I would say. So women have the right to seek divorce if they're in, a, in an unhappy or abusive marriage. And Islamic law provides a fair process for divorce. Then the right to express opinions. 
women are encouraged to express their opinions and ideas in public and in private forums. These are just a few examples of the rights that Islam has given women. Islam emphasizes the importance of treating women with respect, dignity, and kindness. And it encourages gender equality in all aspects of life where it would not impair with the role of women also as a mother and wife, of course. Excellent, Samara. What kind of period are we talking about now? I mean, are we talking about recent Islam or are we talking about Islam when it first started? It is Islam when it first started because at that time, women were completely... Um, I think there were no rights for women in that uh, in, 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 in the desert of Arabia. They were treated like property. They were not given the right to own property or the right to divorce or to marriage. But I think also education, as Aisha's example, is, is quite, um, I think, telling and quite mm. an example that will probably carry on until the end of times that she was such a strong, educated woman. <clears throat> Indeed. Uh, if we move on to uh, currently, if if we discuss about women auxiliary organization in Ahmadiyya Muslim society, as we know, is Lajna Imaila. Can you can you explain for our listeners when it was established and what kind of importance it holds in your life? Well, as you know, Islam was initially in, uh, was initiated with quite ambitious um, plans for women, and it did find its implementation but then there also came a time of kind of um a sort of decline where women ha- were not getting any education in the context of south asia which is pakistan and india mm-hmm. and at the time when the ahmadiyya jamaat was established i think khalifa Sani at that time was very much worried about the state of education and the position of women within the society and within the Jamaat, especially in the Ahmadiyya movement. So he, his wife, his second wife, Amtal Harisaiba, who was also the daughter of the first Khalifa, she convinced him that he should do something for women's education. So for this reason, in 1916, he established the Ahmadiyya Girls College in Gadian and then 1922 established or founded the Lajna Imaila, where education, religious education, worldly education, and women empowerment would be quite emphasized. And I think it was quite a turning point for women at that point, because I think probably 99% of women could not even read and write at that time or had seen a school or college. Mm-hmm. So this college and this organization provided girls with opportunities for higher education had to break down gender barriers in religious education and education generally. So the second Khalifa believed that education was essential for the progress and development of society, encouraged both boys and girls to pursue education. He recognized that educating girls was particularly important as it would help to empower them and enable them to contribute to society in meaningful ways. So the second Khalifa would take the religious education and the body education into his own hands and guide the syllabus and what was taught to them. He, I mean, even at the Siri Kabir, it was actually lectures that he gave to his own wife who noted them down and then it came out to be the, the Siri Kabir. So it was meant to educate women, actually. So he made a significant contribution to women's education and empowerment during the 
I think, 20th century within the Ahmadiyya movement. And I think we have to be very thankful to him, what he created, even within the Jamaat, the Legendary Maila, and all of its works. Um, <clears throat> indeed. Uh, you know, if, as a matter of we move on uh, to discuss, you've just celebrated 100 years of Legendary Maila in the Women Auxiliary Organization. Can you please share how did you celebrate 100 years of Lajna? I think um, I personally celebrated it by thinking about the contributions and thank Allah for the opportunities I got maybe because of I was born into Ahmadiyya, so obviously there was an impact of the Khulafa and their work which contributed to my coming to where I am now on in many levels. And on a general level, on a Jamaat level, we did a dinner where we got together and did some anecdotes and speeches. And then there will be an exhibition in our country, inshallah, this year in celebration of 100 years of Lajna. Wow, that's, that, that's fantastic. And um, so who kind of gets involved with that? Who organizes that event? Oh, well, Legina themselves organize the event. It's, most of the events by, uh, of Legina are, actually all of them are organized by Legina and women themselves. So I think that is another aspect that uh, the second Khalifa encouraged women to take on leadership roles within the Legina Imaila and appointed women to important positions within the organization. And we are so experienced or getting there yeah. of um, organizing many events. Yeah. Um, so, so we're asking our listeners the, a question that who is your uh, female role model? Um, and obviously, you know, f- for someone to go and study PhD mm. and especially at the Royal Holloway of and, and, and having a, a subject like Pakistan, obviously someone must have pushed you because not everyone can obviously attain the ability and academically to become a, a, have a PhD. Right. So who's been your role model? I think if I think historically, I think Hazrat Aisha and accommodation of Hazrat Khadija both are role models because we also underestimate Hazrat Khadija's um, abilities and skills. She was a very successful businesswoman Mm. and she must have been a very strong businesswoman and she could recognize human beings. So she must have recognized and seen the qualities of the Holy Prophet by supposing to him. So she must have been a very actually intuitive and intelligent woman so i think she's a she's an example about who i think and has an aisha of course because of her knowledge yeah no fantastic and and, and actually you're not the only one who has said that uh, with the polls have, have started coming through with the question that we've been asking well thank you very much uh, for your time today Sumera, and we wish you the best of luck in your phd and obviously understanding the pakistani political history thank you very much for your time today Thank you for having me. Jazakallah. Assalamu uh, alaikum. Wa alaikum Thank you very much. So, Monique, what, what, a, what a fantastic, <clears throat> you know, kind of call there and understanding about all the different rights that uh, that were given to um, the females <clears throat> back, not just now, like in the 20th century where... Mm. Uh, we know that uh, rights are for women to own their property, uh, even rights to be able to have an equal partnership in terms of divorce their husbands, etc. All these things were given over 1,400 years ago when we're only uh, arriving at these conclusions now.
So anyway, so if anyone wants to get in touch and you've got a question, you want to join us on our show today, we are asking this question: Who is your role model and um, in your in your life? And this is on the day of when we are discussing and celebrating the International Women's Day. Uh, get in touch on zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and obviously send us a tweet at uh, Voice of Islam. UK and by all means do that. So what we like to do is uh, talk to our next gold uh, who is is on hold and that's uh, Deya Burkhard. So wonderful for her to be able to join us today. Thank you very much for joining us. She's the national president of the USA's Ahmadiyya Muslim Communities Women's Auxiliary. We already mentioned about the Ladies Auxiliary Organization um, in our community known as Lajna Imaila and we're now talking to the representative of that in the USA of Dea Tahir Bakar so thank you very much for joining us today on the Drive Time Show Assalamu alaikum thank you for having me Uh, you're most welcome I mean we've got quite a lot of questions uh, for you but just before we delve into the first one there is a question that we're asking on our Instagram is that who is the person that um, has been your role model uh, as a female in your life you can you name anybody well, you know, that's a, a very difficult question because there are so many females yeah. that have uh, demonstrated just some phenomenal uh, characteristics that I look at all females and I um, are able to discern their strengths and try to emulate those positive things about each uh, female individual. But since The previous um, speakers have mentioned uh, two that are uh, evidently the most common one. I like to say that um, Hazrat Hidra um, is one of those um, famous women that I admire uh, also. Um, She was, as many will know, um, the wife of uh, Prophet Abraham. And uh, the quality that she exhibited of the faith she had in her uh, God and her husband that allowed her without um, opposition, I'll say, to be, um, uh, I don't want to say led, but, you know, to take that journey um, into that barren land with just herself and her child and stay there um, and you know, call on God to provide for all her needs was just, you know, a sacrifice that not many modern-day women would choose to make. Yeah, no, that's a wonderful shout out there. And and, and in terms of modern day women, many people have um, who have who have said in a, are actually quoting Michelle Obama with uh, the work that she's done through uh, her number of books. Uh, that uh, the most recent one is the the light that we carry. And again, uh, and she, as you know, her, she has a wonderful story uh, as well. So um, you kind of already answered my my first question anyway. I've got one more question to ask you, and then Brother Anik is with me. Will ask you uh, the next few. So, His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masoor Ahmed, who is the Caliph of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he stated this, and he says. 
is that my philosophy is that if women work outside the shade of men, they flourish. Um, what do you think he means by that? Well, you know, I look at it like a garden, and that when you uh, plant seeds yeah. and um, you, you wait for the that flower to blossom, if that field or that garden is filled with, you know, more uh, prominent uh, flowers or even weeds, then that seed that you planted would not have enough nourishment, sunlight, and mm. uh, attention to it to flourish. So I think what our present Khalifa and the Khalifa Tumasita II did for women was give them a clear path and plane for them to set their own uh, goals and objectives based on his guidance and wisdom, and that they have complete autonomy to develop that. Um, so with his, uh, you know, uh, prestigious um, wisdom, the Lajnir Maila members have done just that without, you know, being under the shadows of men and without seeking the need to, you know, the assistance of men helping them. And we're very uh, independent and very successful in those um, endeavors that we've created ourselves. Sister Deya, as you are serving as National President of USA, you know, uh, how are you inspired by the Muslim women uh, who are serving alongside with you? Yeah, so um, I, I kind of reflect back on the wives of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, and also our uh, Khalifa's wives because, you know, there's an old saying in the secular world that behind every successful man is a strong woman. Um, and with that uh, slogan there, it's very obvious that, you know, these um, men who have been destined and um, called by God to be our spiritual leaders, they have to have a, a wife that's fully supportive of them, that understand the sacrifices that, you know, will be um, laid upon both of them and the rest of the family, and also be a, um, a comfort to them and during the trials and also you know, be a, a cheerleader, as I say, through the successes. Uh, so I look at those wives and I um, get my strength from them. But, of course, I, I couldn't do what I'm doing without the help of Allah and also the mm -hmm. wisdom and the support of our Khalifa to Masih um, because I feel that without his uh, backing and support and guidance, then we're just a weak pillar uh, in the um, community of Ahmadiyat. Indeed. Uh, as a national president, uh, what has your role uh, taught you about the importance of having female leadership? Female leadership? Oh. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think out of nature, um, when you're amongst a group, and that group is homogeneous, meaning, like, say it's just a male group, uh, naturally you forget about maybe the female uh, presence and need. 
So mm-hmm. by the second Khalifa, may Allah be pleased with him, establishing this auxiliary for women, it gives us a platform to officially, within the, um, the guidance of Islam, to speak to men and make men um, hear our voices and our needs and treat us with uh, equity. And, you know, one of the, the beauties of this um, that I see demonstrated is in Amashah's Ishura. So, you know, that's the consultative body for our beloved Khalifa. And that it has been um, uh, required that even in Amashah's Ishura of the Jamaat, that there are female representation present so that they have a voice and able to respond to the issues that have been identified by the wider community. Fantastic. Really appreciate your your time today and we wish you the very best in everything you do and hope you celebrate uh, the International Women's Day over where you are in the USA. You know, it's probably the morning here. We're going to be coming to the end of our day in about three in about three or four hours' time, and you've still got the whole day to celebrate it. And we <laughs> wish you the best celebrations you have. There. Yes. Thank you very much for your Thank time you today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And you enjoy your day too. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum May peace be upon you, sister. Thank you very much. So, um, Makib, that's really interesting, you know, the way our organization, our community, um, the way in which um, we have been organized. And recently, we, we just had our uh, National Peace Symposium celebrated in the mm. UK about two or three days ago. And one of the amazing feedback that kept on coming back from the guests who came over I think nearly between I think 700,000 people were mm. were there is that the way we're organized the way we follow our Khalifa with one voice with one community and it's <clears throat> irrespective of if you are a male or a female or which organization you belong to with everybody we've spoken to as our guests they talk about the love for Al Khalifa and how he leads and how he is is the leader, right? And, and it just shows you through his understanding of where he says that um, he he would want to see that um, if women work outside the shade of men, they flourish. And um, you know the question I put to uh, Daya uh, Dahira Bakar, she she explained it really well. So I, I just like to just recognize that how our community embraces this aspect and how our organization is run completely by itself by by the female the men Mm. don't get involved with it right and don't they don't let you anyway (laughs) because i think that's the beauty yeah and uh, that's what uh, the you know the beloved khalifa wants that or that's what you know the holy prophet peace be upon him wanted from women to flourish themselves because they had ability to flourish and uh, you know, if I go back, I was I was wanting to discuss one thing. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people ask, what was the need of coming Islam? Was Christianity was there? What was the need? That Islam, you know, had to to be there because it had a teaching which people were accepting, people were living in, uh, you know, uh, in, in in harmony, and yeah. there's so many things they present when we're discussing about Islam. But one thing which I discussed with them at the end, I said, you know, there's so many things we're missing. In the in, in the society, if we dis, as we're discussing this topic today, the women, if we just discuss only this topic, the rights were missing from the teaching, and that's what God wanted a perfect teaching to come, 
to you know summarize everything in one book and that's religion goes right at the end of the world yeah okay and that's what that's why god almighty wanted a new religion which god almighty name yeah. give, give the name of islam and god sent another prophet to revive the teachings which comes from god regardless what religion is from so everything is started from there and you know that that's the beauty the khalif it's you know asking us to follow and that's we are you know just we say yes whatever he asks us to do and this is the beauty of our community yeah no totally great well said and we we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more just before that we'll we'll, ha- we'll talk to our next guest who's who's holding on Manaza Khan and she's um, doing a master's degree in journalism and is also a life devotee and is the former editor of the Maria magazine so another magazine named after the mm. first um work friend or devotee, the first yes. person who did the devotee It'll be interesting yeah, yeah. to talk about that as well uh, Manasa thank you sister Manasa thank you very much for joining us on the drive time show today Assalamu alaikum jazakallah for having me Oh you're most welcome um in my introduction I said you're doing a master's degree in journalism I mean what inspired you to study journalism So I mean this was uh, actually I'm not currently studying masters I I did it over 10 years ago yeah. <laughs> um but I mean what inspired me to study journalism so i'd always enjoyed reading and writing from a young age but journalism wasn't always my trajectory um i actually graduated in llb so i have a law degree but alhamdulillah i'm waqfino uh, um which is where you devote your life towards serving your faith um growing up we received guidance on our career paths and so throughout my studies i constantly wrote to hadu the current fifth khalifa hazrat mirza mansur ahmad ayatullah taala with uh, updates and requests for prayers um i remember after i graduated i went to see him and i asked him for his guidance on what i should do next or how can i serve the jamaat his instant response was continue your studies do a masters and before i had a chance to react he advised me to do a masters in history or journalism um i remember being in the office at the time i was having a mulaqat with him and i looked up nervously and saw he was awaiting a reply from me you know which one yeah. i choose So it was a on the spot kind of decision and I replied with Zuhair Abdul Master in journalism. Um at the time I had no idea what I was getting myself into or what the study entailed but through his eyes I could see he had a vision or a plan that wasn't quite visible to me at the time but now in hindsight I know that behind all of his decisions is a well thought out plan and I think that was one of the biggest lessons I learned as a works to have complete faith in Allah's plans for you. Um so I started studying I started working for the internal university newspaper on issues relating to Muslim women the debate about the veil the hijab ban in France at the time uh, among other local stories and I understood how words could be a powerful tool in educating people on matters they would otherwise be ignorant of which helped me personally grow throughout the intense year of studies But, uh, alhamdulillah i had the prayers of khalifa and i went on to help with uh, other jamaat publications and the first being the magazine for akhnor Yeah I mean I I really you know understand that completely with what you say about about the words you know have such powerful meaning some of the most powerful quotes that have been said by women are never apologize for being a powerful woman <laughs> so that always resonates uh, with me and obviously the world needs strong women I mean these are some of the most fantastic women and I still remember 
a, a political politician, Margaret Thatcher, when she said, you know, the Iron Curtain has fallen when, you know, when the USSR uh, was um, dismantled to, to what it is today. I mean, there are some words that define history as well, and I agree with you totally. I mean, you've really eloquently explained about your kind of story in terms of um, getting involved with, with the Money Magazine. But actually, this year marks the 10th anniversary of its first publication uh, that was produced by the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Can you just tell us, um, I think you've kind of already explained it as well, but you were personally selected to be part of that team. Is that right? Uh, yes. So, I mean, just a little background on the magazine. It's a quarterly publication produced by Waxenau Girls for other Waxfards. Waxfards are, you know, Waxenau Girls. And this initiative was actually started by Hazur himself. Um, so I remember getting a phone call from the current editor-in-chief, Zinubia Ahmed Saiba, and uh, there was an excitement in her voice as she explained to me that Hazur expressed a wish to start up the magazine for Waxenau readers. Um, she took a brief pause before telling me that out of a list of names that were presented to Hazur, he had uh, picked mine to be the editor of the magazine, the first of its kind. Um, it was an overwhelming feeling for me that Hazur had even remembered me you know, out of all the people that he meets on a daily basis. And that I finally understood that this was the reason behind his advice to me for undertaking the Masters in journalism. Hmm. Um, I remember at the time when I was studying, I'd always think about how can I serve the Jamaat with these studies? Um, what do you, you know, what would Hazur, which kind of field would he put, in, put me in? Um, and the thought that came to me a lot was there's a lot of mashallah, there's a lot of magazine or publications in the Jamaat, but there's none specifically for Waxino um, across the world. And this was a vision of Hazur's that was, you know, in his mind as well at the time. And I just felt very honored that he had chosen me for the magazine. Now, <clears throat> Munazza, can you explain the inspiration behind the name for the magazine and who chose his name? Yes, so the name was chosen by Hazur himself, I believe. Um, in the phone call I just mentioned, I received at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, the managing director said there would be a separate magazine for boys and there would be one for girls. And the one for boys would be called Ismail Magazine and the one for girls would be called Maya Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I believe, again, like Hazur had a vision that he wished for Rakhsar to follow in the footsteps of Hazrat Maryam and remember her dedication. And uh, Hazul very kindly took time out of his uh, busy schedule to write a letter especially addressed to the Rockstar readers of the magazine. And if I have permission, I can read a little bit of his letter here, because it was quite historical. Please do. Um, he said, it is essential for the Waxenau girls to remember the history of Wax. It was a woman who first dedicated her child before its birth. And that Waxenau was also a woman called Mariam. Her parents who had dedicated her did her tabiat with such excellence that she, in turn, understanding the significance of her status, fulfilled the demands of the works in a manner whereby the God of the heavens mentioned her in the Holy Quran as a goddess of chastity and honor and a woman who spent her life with absolute sanctity and piety. Her purity and taqwa has thus become an everlasting example. He then reminded us of the efforts of Muslim women in the past who carried forward the flag of knowledge and its application during the preliminary era of Islam. And Wakfinal girls were expected to keep the flag of knowledge and its application higher than any other standard. So, I mean, we can see there was a vision behind Hazul's decision to call the magazine Maryam, mm. and that was to empower Muslim women 
with wisdom and knowledge through this publication. So, I mean, we, we see time and time again, he preaches about women's rights, but he also provides us with opportunities to educate and empower ourselves. Um, so I guess in choosing the name for the magazine, he wishes us to look up to Hazrat Maryam al-Islam as our role model, um, who, as you reminded the listeners at the start of the show, is the best woman of all time. Yeah, no, well said. I mean, just before we let you go, we have been asking um, our guests this question about um, which or which female or role model has been quite prominent in your life. Um, you and I'll, and I'll say it, I think I already know the answer to this question because you once wrote that Hazrat Khadija, who was the first wife of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, inspires you each and every day. Uh, what is it that that inspires you about Hazrat Khadija and may Allah be pleased with her? Um, so this was an article that I wrote last year for uh, International Women's Day. Um, so, I mean, she's the first person to accept Islam, um, and that was a woman. It was Hazrat Khadija, she possessed many great qualities and therefore was the ultimate role model for me and I guess for every Muslim woman. Um, we learned from Hadith that she filled her home with peace and comfort, and she was a source of comfort also for the Holy Prophet, um, so much that Allah had predestined for her a glass house full of pearls and gems because of her beautiful character. Um, as a wife of a Wakshizindagi also, my husband is a Wakshizindagi, I have two Wakshinal children myself. Um, there are times where, you know, you do face challenges and you've been put in situations that require a lot of adjusting to. Um, we moved to uh, USA from the UK almost four years ago. My husband currently serves as in charge and tier here. Mm. And it was probably one of the hardest adjustments we've made together, you know, leaving behind families, long-time friends and belongings. Yeah. To move to a place, you know, we had, we had to start almost from scratch. But I kept reminding myself that Hazrat Khadija was the biggest source of comfort and peace to her husband when, you know, he was facing hardships. And likewise, I should, you know, always encourage my family like she did as well. Um, also, just to mention, she was also a very successful tradeswoman in yeah. a time where women were, you know, illiterate and looked down upon as members of society. Um, so I have had a chance to serve as the local handicraft secretary here in Maryland, and I've helped other Lajna establish and promote their own businesses, and encouraging them to follow in Hazrat Khadija's yeah. uh, footsteps as well. And I, I myself have a small baking business here, but I try to, you know, keep it humble and do bake sales for. Uh, charity where I can hmm. um, for those less fortunate than us. So yes, I, I guess Hazrat Khadija was left alone. She was given the glad tidings of paradise by Allah. So she's, she's you know the ultimate role model. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, as uh, as an entrepreneur, you're following in her footsteps with the cake sales, and uh, and it is great. And I, and I I just think it's wonderful, especially we could do a whole topic of uh, successful women in business um, as well. And we we did this topic some time ago similarly, and we found that there were so many uh, mm. Muslim ladies who had actually started many types of different businesses. And it's great to see that you're doing that as well. Look, we really appreciate your time today. It's been it's been fantastic and we wish you all all the success um, that you're doing especially with the success of the Mariam magazine and uh, that you continue to write wonderful articles and continue to work thank you very much for your time today Jazakallah for having me uh, no, uh, pleasure is all ours Jazakallah uh, may peace be upon you thank you very much sister
You know, Brother Hanif, she yeah. was <coughs> discussing regarding Hazrat Khatija that yes. uh, she was given the glad tidings by the Holy Prophet. Peace yeah. upon him. I would like to, you know, narrate one of the, uh, you know, the saying of the Holy Prophet yeah. where it's, it's reported the Messenger of Allah drew four lines on the ground. Then he, you know, saw everybody and said, Do you know what this is? The companions replied, Allah and his Messenger knows best. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, replied on this that the best women of paradise are Khatija binti Khwalid, Fatima, her daughter, uh, his daughter, and Maryam, and the Asiya, which was, you know, the uh, says that the uh, family member of the Pharaoh. She was a pious lady who, you know, uh, taken care of uh, uh, Moses. And it, the Holy Prophet said that all those, they are going to paradise. They are the women who are pious. And God has chosen them for paradise. So we see that there's not only one woman in Islam, there are few, but in general, there are some women, and Mary was one of them, that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, given great tidings that she will be one of them who will be going in, in the paradise. I mean, that, I, I really like that. that that's a fantastic... Um, four wonderful women um, who have been recognized already and been mm. told that they will be in, in paradise. The question I have for you, that people um, feel that, you know, when we talk about rights of women and men, men have more, men have less, mm. we, we know that it's completely, the rights are equal, 100%. Does that also mean that women have an equal opportunity to go to paradise as well? There's no, there's no preference there, is there? <clears throat> Indeed, you know, yeah. in, in, in the Holy Quran, God Almighty has given not only the same rights in, in, in the world. Yeah. God said if you, you know, become a true, pious woman or man, regardless, mm. you know, this is not only men who are going to go in the paradise or, you know, the women have given less rights to become less, less righteous or they will, you know, get less, uh, you know, status in paradise. It's absolutely wrong. Even though, you know, the Holy Prophet you know, uh, peace be upon him, and the Holy Quran is clearly mentioned. If you follow the you know path of righteousness, indeed God or God will given uh, will will give uh, the same status as man. And I was just mentioned regarding the women, the four women who were yeah. given the glad tiding. So that shows that you know Islam doesn't say that only men can attain this you know higher level in paradise. Women can attain; they can also attain the same level in in the paradise. Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmad Khalifatul Masih, he said, thus you know he's one of the narration. He said that a pious and a momina, the female believer, woman has the potential to attain a rank much higher than that of a man. So they can go even beyond that. And we see in our daily life, even though women have so much to do. And I have realized when I have children that they are going through so much. And now I think about my mom as well, how much has been difficult for her. Yeah. And even then they, you know, fulfill all the duties. They worship, they, they take care of us. There's so many things they do. And indeed, and I personally think, why not they can attain more, uh, you know, status yeah. than men? Yeah, no, I'd really like that. I mean, I, I, I just asked you another question in your life, so I think I know the answer already. <laughs> who, who was the most inspiring? Indeed, indeed, in it's, it's, it's my mother. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've realized, I, 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 you know, now when I got married, and I have children. That yeah. how difficult it must have been for her, and she was a professor. She used to do a lot of preaching. She used to come out from back from from the university and go for preaching, yeah. and I've, I've seen her doing it for good twenty years. So, you know, uh, now I realize that how difficult it is to give time both sides and at home as well. And you know, that inspires me now 
that this is the true passion you should be living and one of the you know correction i want to made our mm. mention regarding the asia one of the when she was the wife of pharaoh and she was also given the glad tiding because she taken care of moses and given him such a good upbringing yeah no no i i really i, I think that's fantastic and and you're right and when you talk about um your relationship with imam the sacrifices mm. she's made there is that beautiful saying is that paradise lies under the feet of your mother Indeed. it doesn't actually mean you look under the feet of your mother mm. in this paradise no it means because the sacrifices that she made True. to raise um her her children mm. to, in in the way of god almighty to one to be a believer in the unseen to believe in god almighty and to serve humanity like like you do as well uh you you've dedicated your life in the service of our community that there in itself is is a way that people need to understand that, that if you can teach your children to follow mm. in the path of god almighty that's mm. what it actually means right and that's where i think when people look at what it is that why they're so inspired is because of the type of person you become the legacy mm. that you leave behind and also then to follow that path is is, is not an easy path to follow but where do you get the strength from it comes from the sacrifices and the teachings from your parents but actually it has said many times it is the, is your mother that does mm. all the and the hard initial lifting that the men just support in in that field don't they so just before we come to the top of the hour based on what you've said i wanted to read this um this one verse in the holy quran in chapter 33 verse 36 and and it says that surely men who submit themselves to god mm. and women who submit themselves to him and believing men and believing women and obedient men and obedient women and truthful men and truthful women and men steadfast in their faith and steadfast in women and and men who are humble and women who are humble and men who give arms and women who give arms and men who fast and women who fast and men who guard their chastity and women who guard their chastity and men who remember Allah much and women who remember him Allah has prepared for all of them forgiveness and a great reward and this verse in itself it, it just states these 10 outstanding attributes that a muslim should strive for and it applies equally to men and, and women and it's exactly summarizing the points that the you raised earlier indeed so really we come up to the top of the hour if anything in, uh, interests you by all means please do get in touch uh, with us and give us a call on 02086877878 and obviously uh, answer we're asking the the question um on Instagram as well uh, please do fill in that and we'll share your answers on there who is your female role model and obviously you can get in touch with us the normal way also through the social medias at uh, voice of islam uk and stay with us we will be continuing to talk about this subject more and more and then we want to ask this question men and women equal but different here's the news a new station the voice of islam with live discussions religion and culture understand the true teachings of islam with the voice of islam welcome back and thank you very much for staying with us we have been talking about the international women's day and today is the 8th of march 2023 and it's a day that the united nations would like us to remember and celebrate but if you could be listening to our first hour which we're talking about you probably realize that we probably need to be celebrating this every day and recognize the mm-hmm. amazing work of 
women and or everything else that they do, especially when we relate them to our mothers. So many have already answered back and say the most influential and most prominent person in their life has been their mother. So really we're carrying on with that discussion at the moment. But if you can, want, want to get in touch, send us a tweet, get involved with this our conversation, give us a call on 0208-687-7878 and by all means tweet us or send us a message on our Instagram or at Voice of Islam UK. So keep the question keep the conversation going, keep the questions coming and we've got two Fantastic guests will be joining us later in the show. Looking forward to speaking with Samar Mahmood, who is a, a Canadian and a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community of the Auxiliary Organisation. We'd like to talk to her, get an idea about um, how how her life is as a devotee. And then also we'll be talking to Ruba Al-Zaid, who is a mum and a graduate and it's a civil engineer, so it'd be great to understand um, exactly what her uh, uh, life is like and what she has been doing and why you know she is uh, studying and, and is a civil engineer. Great uh, callers. We look forward to talking to them. But just as we ended the first hour, I did pose this very short question, didn't I, right as I was leaving there? Um, and th- that was a, a, a question, Anik, that asked, isn't it? Man, men <clears throat> and women, are they equal but are they different? I mean, it's very interesting. <laughs> I think, um, you know, sometimes each of them, not only women, they fight for equal rights. I think mm. both have right to fight for equal rights. But one thing, the beauty of Islam is it gives, you know, the clarity for men and women mm. that you have certain things to do. There's certain, certain things you are equal, but certain things you have duties you have to fulfill. And... You know, in there we can see, yes, there are some differences. But when we discuss the something, the fundamental things, studying, you know, getting married, getting divorced, you know, uh, anything you, you, which, which, which is necessary or which way we can say, you know, the woman can say, you know, my right has been taken from me, is given by God, by Islam, 1,500 years ago. Hmm. But one thing Islam, you know, clarifies for both of them, there are certain duties they have to do. It's not that men cannot do those things, but certainly, you know, men cannot do some things which women women can do. But men and women, they can share things, they can do certain things, and they can have some kind of understanding of doing all those things. But God Almighty says that if you do these things in that way, that would be beneficial for you. If you have understanding, if you think you can, you know, help, you can help each other. Definitely, you certainly you should do it. And when we discuss what Islam says, that what kind of responsibilities Islam, you know, puts on man or woman is same, same, simple way. If we say if somebody got married, man has to earn, man has to go out, feed the children, feed the women, take care of themselves. And woman has to take care of the household. Islam doesn't say that a man should not be doing a housework. If we find in the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that he used, used, to, used to do a lot of churros, a lot of other works at home, he used to help. But there are certain responsibilities if they follow both, you know, each of them follow their duties, you know, it beautifies the relationship. And one has to do one thing, you know, if we work in the, uh, sometime I, you know, look uh, this thing in, in, in a way that, let's suppose you're working in the office. Mm. Everybody has a, or say equal rights, but everybody has different duties, right? 
and we cannot say you know a manager or a worker if they are equally same right wise but of course they have a certain duties to do everybody is doing different things but they are equal one employee may be doing you know calling someone maybe some is writing emails to somebody they are different duties but they have given equal rights you know similarly in islam god has given the rights to man and woman but they are different in their duties which god almighty wants them to follow and you know if i go yeah. through the verse of the holy quran that god almighty instructs the wives of the holy prophet peace be upon him to stay houses with dignity hmm. and not show themselves off like the showing of the former days of ignorance apart from doing churros or the things at home god almighty not only said this thing to women he also instructed men to you know lay down their eyes to not look at women and there are different kind of you know uh parda or you know hijab is is for men and women so basically in islam god almighty has given the duties to men and women they are maybe it can be different but if we discuss the rights of women it's absolutely god has given the same right for men and women yeah i mean you you're very interesting one one of the biggest thing that we see in today's society very much so is you have a situation where you've explained that um at home it doesn't mean that because you're a ma- man and you have to go and do the earning outside if you come home you don't do anything it's it similarly when um women has to go out to work for various reasons you, mm. you know there is this issue in society where there is a pay gap right women tend to get paid less for mm. the same job that men are doing right that that in itself is is not equal and then obviously in in this country we had the uh, the equality act of 2010 where men and women uh, who were doing the same employment right should be given and should receive equal pay um but that still in some situations still doesn't doesn't happen at all but there is this interesting thing that where this teamwork as well but you're right there are specific roles there are some things that um um men cannot do that women can do and are probably by far much better at it indeed indeed you know if, when i was saying that where the verse of the holy quran says a woman should stay at home the there's a commentary has been written on this what does actually mean does she are not allowed to do they are not allowed to go outside or whether they have to stay at home all the time as you were mentioning in the first hour regarding afghanistan that's not the true picture of islam the, the in the commentary you know the verse explains that the word stay in your houses show that the principles fire of the activities of a woman is in her house not that she is not allowed to leave its four walls she may go out as many time as she may require for the performance of legitimate earn of the satisfaction of the legitimate need but to move about in a mixed society and take part in all sorts of avocation and professions shoulder to shoulder with man and to do so to the neglect and the determine of her special domestic duties as the mistress of house as not the islamic conception of ideal womanhood Yeah. The commentary further, you know, elaborates that although this verse seems to only address the wives of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, the commandments in this verse actually apply equally to all Muslim women because the wives of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him serve as role models. Yeah. But we see in our, our <clears throat> daily life, an Islam, 
Islam doesn't want women to, you know, stay at home. Of course, there are some duties they have to do. Of course, if a man is going out, that's why I see, you know, in, our, in, in, in British people, I've seen so many, I've met with so many families, man is going to do work, women are taking care of house and especially children because the upbringing is very necessary for the children, those at home. You know, they are teaching them, they are taking care of them, they are feeding them. And there's so many things they're doing, they're not going to work and they're they are willingly doing it because they understand the purpose why they're staying at home. And they know the man is going out to earn. The similar way Islam says that a man should go out to work, to feed for them and earn for them. And similarly, a woman should take care of the house, take care of the children and bring a true upbringing of the children. Because you, the next generation which is going to come, it depends on all the up upbringing which comes through their mother because they are she is with them all the time. And whenever there's a need to go out, because sometimes there are circumstances, there are many women and their families, they cannot fulfill their, you know, the, the expenditures. Islam doesn't say that women has to stay at home. They can go at work. They can go out and earn wherever they are needed. And if we say that they are not given the right, it's absolutely wrong. And as, as I mentioned earlier, look at, the, you know, there's so many countries where Islam, you know, the, the, the main religion, the mainstream religion is Islam, and the women are working because they need and Islam allowed them, you know, give them, the, the Islam allowed them to go out and earn themselves if yeah. they want to. So you know, that's, this is the true understanding. And of course, but when we discuss the duties, of course, there are certain duties which man has to do. There are certain duties which woman has mm. to do. But the fundamental equal rights are equal. Yeah, I mean, especially when you look at today's society and, and the current situation we're fighting with, with the cost of living, mm. uh, the price of fuel going up, uh, the basic needs of of just buying essential foods the, it, it's it's so expensive and if you've got a family to raise and and you've got people are making choices what, what do I do do I feed my children or or do I um, do I heat the home I mean if you ask that question of a mother who's raising their kids mm. she can say excuse me I, we're gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and do some uh, earn some money we're gonna share that burden together I mean so Islam again is a as its teachings and doesn't rule it out where some people put yourself into such a difficult situation that you're unable to actually function as a as a as a unit hmm. so like you said earlier that um, where our beloved holy prophet Muhammad my peace and blessings of Allah be upon him used to do no, normal household chores right it wasn't that he didn't do them and it wasn't also that um, his wife didn't talk and discuss financial matters as well and these these conceived ideas are not related to Islam Islam allows all of this but where you've kind of eloquently explained that there are different roles to be done because you kind of everybody doing every role it's like you mentioned in the office everyone is doing the job to make the the company yeah. or whatever be successful mm. so if everybody does the one job Everyone, then you're going to lose out on something else. Everyone mm. has to do everything. I mean, you look at most makeup of most families. You know, you, you you see it like you said. You went to go and visit many families. You and you see the families where the the children are growing up. It it's normal. You know, mm. go out work. Uh, uh, the wife may go to work, but she stays at home. Maybe she, she chooses to stay. Or sometimes you do see in this society that these roles reversed. Which happens, which is a normal way, especially when it comes to an education. Sometimes, as you said earlier, I mean, the, the right for a woman to become educated mm. is has so much 
um, emphasis put on that. So you do see that so many women are educated more than men. So does that mean because they're educated, they're unable to work? But there's an understanding that the roles and responsibilities need to be shared. But where you've adequately explained where Islam is very clear in, in who, who does what, right? Indeed, you know, uh, I was something came coming in my mind regarding the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. You know, he himself got married to a woman who was, uh, she was a businesswoman. <laughs> you know, it was not something he wanted, somebody who was staying at home, you know, not doing nothing. Even though it was, it was, it was not, uh, uh, you know, prophet that time, but his own wife was a woman, a businesswoman. It's, it's, you know, it's not possible a woman who's been doing uh, business for 40 years, she doesn't have knowledge, she's not discussing that. Yeah, you're about Hazrat Khadija, right? Yes, Hazrat yeah. exactly. So basically, God has given a very clear instruction that what you should be doing, but if there's a necessary, that's what the beauty of Islam, even 1500 years ago, God knew that what's going to come. That's why there's no restriction that women has to have, you know, they should be staying at home. They can go out if they are, you know, as the expenditures we see nowadays, the household expenses you need to cover. If they think, if they want to work as a unit, they can do it. And this is the beauty of Islam that it, it, it it's the religion of, you know, it's given you, it gives you a middle way. Yeah. Okay, you can follow each power or you can decide what, whatever is best for you. So the other thing I want to just stress here as well is that say... If you have a situation where a woman does go out and work, actually in Islam, you want me to correct me, the money she earns is hers and only hers, and no man has a right over that money unless she if she's willing to sit, indeed, right? Is that, is that indeed, right? you know, yeah. if this is the very clear cut teachings of Islam, if because God has mighty has, you know, instructed men to earn and feed the family. If women, you know, she's taking care of children, she's going out for work, maybe less too, she's doing part-time and earning a thousand pounds, she is not obliged to give that money to her, hus her husband or to spend on the family. If she willingly wants to do it, she can do it. But Islam gives a right to women that that money is her own money. A man should not be asking you because God has given the responsibility to has on our own husbands. You know they should be going out and earning and feeding the family. So see, this is the, that's what very very much clear that God Almighty, you know, taking care of women more than a man. You know the, the hardships are on man that they should be going out. Yeah. But of course, on the other side, the the sacrifices women made, you know, staying at house, taking care of children, you know, giving a birth to a child is not a small thing. You know, they, they take care of them for a good nine months. They, they, they birth that child. And then especially the the first two, three years are very difficult. I see myself, you know, being a father, we sometimes don't, you know, able to give time that much, even though they are there 24-7. They are awake all night. And that's that's where we need to understand that, of course, both have different duties, both are sacrificing in yeah. their ways. Yeah, no, it's right. We'll, we'll get into this um, in a little bit more because there's a couple of narrations that I want us to, to cover, which I mentioned earlier in, in the first hour, uh, but also an, an, a narration of our current uh, Kalihazim, Masoor, and 
government when uh, he was travelling as well. So I want, I want to just give those two narrations. But just before I do, I wanted to talk to our uh, guest who is joining us uh, in this second part of the hour. And it's wonderful to be able to speak with Samar Mahmoud, and, uh, who is calling from Canada and who is a member of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community's Women's Auxiliary Organisation and is currently living in the US and has been serving as MTA International um, since 2019. And MTA is the Muslim television Ahmadiyya. It's, it's a TV station that many people watch all around the world. And I just wanted to uh, just delve into that a little more detail. So just want to welcome Samana Mahmood to the show. Uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, um, sister. Welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you for the opportunity to speak as well. No, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you that you have dedicated your life to the service of, of the community, and we also are referring to that as Wakfenol. And um, we also said right at the beginning of our introduction to this whole program, when we, it seems so far away, is that we recognize that Mother Mary actually was probably one of the first ever Wakfe No or ladies who had dedicated their life uh, to the cause of God Almighty. And uh, we're just following on that theme as well with yourself. You've dedicated your life to the, the, the TV station. Um, what I wanted to do is that ask you, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the Wakfe No scheme, can you explain whether you yourself had a choice in devoting your life or was this something that was done to you or forced upon you? Yeah, so just like you mentioned, being a part of the Wakfe no scheme means that, you know, I'm dedicated to serving Islam and the community. Um, and so my parents dedicated me before birth and the goal really is to bring your children up in a way that, you know, they're fully devoted to Islam, but um, it wasn't something that was forced on me. So from the time that you're born to, to when you're 15, essentially it's uh, your parents' responsibility to guide you on this path. And um, at the age of 15, you actually have the opportunity to um, choose to or or not to reconfirm your part in this scheme. Okay. And so the decision is very much up to you at this point. <clears throat> Um, and our present caliph, um, Hazrat Mirza Masood Ahmed, may Allah be his helper, he very much like encourages boys and girls um, who are in this scheme to reconfirm even after you've completed your study. So there's lots of like, you know, points in which you can reconfirm. And I've never um, felt forced into such a decision. And, you know, I was I was brought up with this mindset. And for me, alhamdulillah, praise is to Allah. Um, I felt like it was like natural for me to reconfirm because I, I kind of think of it as like a standard that I need to maintain um, in my spirituality and service to others. Um, and then also like as our caliph reminds us, like just being a part of the scheme doesn't set you apart. Like it's, you have to actually, you know, walk the walk as, as we say. So that's my goal really. And what I aim to do with like my volunteer work within the community and um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be married to someone who also has this goal in mind. He's a life devotee who's serving as a missionary. So I think this concept of service and sacrifice, it's, it's a really big part of our lives. Great, Sama. Uh, if we move on to the next question, as a life devotee, how does Hazrat Maryam, peace be upon her, inspire you? That's a great question. Um, so I think Hazrat Maryam, peace be upon her, she's like I think, as you know, as you mentioned as well, she's a role model, role model for not only women of you know different faiths around the world, but she's definitely for me as well. And 
when I actually, you know, teach non-Muslims about Islam, I think one of the, the first things I mention is like, I like to point out that there's a whole chapter of the Quran named after her. I think you mentioned this, Brother Hanif, but it just goes to show how, you know, Allah Ta'ala really wanted her mm-hmm. example to shine for all people. And I really like, you know, also mentioning how in all the depictions of Mary, she actually wears a veil as well. So that's close to my heart because I wear a hijab. And I think many life devotees can relate to her because, um, as you mentioned, she was the first life devotee. Her mother um, devoted her before her birth in Allah's way. And what I find so interesting about that story is that she actually expected to have a son. So, you know, she was kind of confused, like, you know, I had a girl, but Allah in his infinite wisdom, he knew that it was like this female child was much better than the son that she was expecting. And for me, it's the example of Mary. Um, It inspires me in so many different ways. Like we learn from her story, like what dedication is and steadfastness and modesty, of course. And then being the the mother of a blessed prophet, um, she teaches us about the power and the potential of pious mothers as well for their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's clear that as a Marian peace be upon her is one of the most inspiring women in religion history. Uh, but when we look at more recent times, are there any examples of righteous and pious women who lived mm-hmm. in more recent time period, like the past hundred years, for example, or uh, are there even such inspiration women who are alive today? Yeah, this is, this is an amazing question. Um, I think there's like countless righteous, pious, um, strong women like all around us. And one that I, I thought of as a soul just recently um, in one of the book clubs I'm part of, we read a book about instances and um, lessons learned from the life of Hazrat Amma so whose name was Nusra Jahan. She was the wife of the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed peace be on him and so she passed away in 1952 so this wasn't very long ago and honestly like as we read this book I couldn't help but think like this woman was so incredible and there's so many aspects in her life that we can adopt um, to become better people Um, like for example one thing that really stood out to me was her simplicity Um, and I think our you know Southern Side by USA she mentioned this as well like uh, living in a world of materialism and consumerism it's it's just so um, inspiring to learn from her example, um, to see how she, you know, followed this trait. And then another thing that I find really interesting is, like, her vibrant personality that we learn about and, she, and her hospitality. Um, and then, like, besides, like, historical figures, I think when I think about my own, like, personal spheres, I get inspiration from so many women. Um, as I'm, like, meeting more people, I'm just getting, like, constantly re-inspired hearing and witnessing like different examples of how women are excelling and in so many different ways like even as i'm listening to the program today um listening to all the sisters that there's there's women who are they're scholars of faith um they're serving humanity they're raising their children to be active citizens and they're making strides in their professional fields as well yeah, no, and just following on from Anik's question about recent women, I mean, when I look at um, the, the the most famous woman that I really like reading up about and learning is was Rosa Park, as we all know about Rosa Park. And one of the things about her when you read uh, the way what gave her the strength to stand up and not give up her seat was her faith in God. And she did say that... Um, 
when that moment took place in her life, she said that I instantly felt God give me the strength to endure whatever would happen next. And then she kind of recounted that God's peace flooded my soul and my fear melted away and that people were equal in the eyes of God and I was going to live like a free person. And that, because when you mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, most recent times of of famous people and God-fearing people, uh, Rosa Parks to me is, is one of those individuals that I, you know, I thought I'd just uh, narrate um, as well. Uh, I, I had a, a question. You mentioned it earlier that you wear the religious headscarf, and and most people, especially in in Europe, we know when we see. Uh, ladies wearing a headscarf it's it's clear to many people that they're probably uh, muslims they they belong to the religion islam but also when we look back and we look at the nuns of christianity they also cover their head as well but also when you look back in in kind of old tradition in in this country as well you would see that women used to cover their head anyway um, uh, out, of, out of respect when you see the old black and white movies etc and it's all there but the question that I had for you is that while you wear your headscarf and which is definitely recognised as a, a religious headscarf do you feel that this veil, the Islamic veil has restricted you in any way and, and do you see it as like a, a source of empowerment oh, by flicking the coin really? Well, thank you for sharing those examples. And um, yeah, this is a really thoughtful question. I think it's been about 13 years um, since I made the decision to wear my hijab. Mm-hmm. And I I feel honored to be able to wear like a visible piece of my identity like every day. Um, it's really a way for me to showcase my abilities and regardless of my physical attributes. And I think it's a misconception that, um, you know, women who wear the hijab, they're restricted. And I think this honestly comes to a lack of representation. And I think the more representation there is, and, you know, there will be of hijab-wearing women, um, the more that, like, those women will be more empowered. And then also people will realize that, you know, hijab is a form of empowerment as well. And as a teacher, I've realized how important it is to, um, you know, represent my Muslim identity in teaching it. It sparks discussions with fellow teachers and students and you know, that, that's really amazing and it encourages conversations of diversity and inclusivity as well. So I definitely don't think um, it's something that restricts me. Um, but And I think one of the reasons I have this confidence um, in my identity is because I had that, you know, that agency to make the decision of wearing the hijab. So unfortunately, some people don't have that. Um, and I think it really has to come from, um, you know, your own decision, which is a right that Islam gives us as well as women. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's really well explained. I really l- like that. But there is this thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, people who don't wear a scarf, and I've had this discussion many times also with, with my wife as well, who also wears a, a scarf as well. And, you know, wh- where did you get that confidence from to, to present yourself as the identity, as, as an Ahmadi Muslim woman? Oh, that's a good question, I think. Um, well, one, it comes from learning about what the importance and significance of hijab is and like understanding what the, you know, the wisdom behind it is. And then also I think um, it's so many examples in my, you know, in my life. So like my mom's examples, 
there's so many powerful women um, in the community and my friends. And I think like surrounding yourself with people who like, you know, support you, empower you, um, that really helps and, and uh, helps in your confidence wearing your hijab. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's fantastic. I really appreciate your time today and uh, very inspirational. We, <coughs> excuse me, we, we give, you know, wish you all the best of luck in everything you're doing and uh, carry on with the great works you've done. Uh, just as a, an end question, you said you're working um, as a devotee with the TV station MTA International. Is there a particular project that you're working on at the moment? Uh, well, in MTA Canada, I was working with um, a variety of like different projects, um, and um, the same in MTA USA. I'm, I'm working uh, primarily with social media right now, and then also um, some different productions as well. And I think that you know MTA is another forum that has really empowered um, women, and there's so many women who work behind the scenes and in uh, making some amazing productions. Oh, well, you know, you say about working behind the scenes. I mean, this program was produced uh, mainly, nearly all of our drive time shows are produced by by the women's team and they they, they just do all the work. We, we just sit here and uh, present the notes that they give us, although we, we try and help. But yeah, you're right. I mean, not only is the drive time show, but there are so many other shows on Voice of Islam radio that are completely produced and presented by the ladies as well and they are fantastic so you know very a, a shout out to them as well and and the work that you're doing for MTA International in Canada well thank you very much for your time today really appreciate it thank you for the opportunity you're most welcome thank you so um, and again another inspirational like guest have spoken mm. so well about what they do what they're about and and how um, and the people in their life have, have influenced them. And uh, there are such wonderful inspiration people as well. Uh, there's one thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I didn't ask you in, in the first in the first um, hour of the question, is that there was this um, narration about um, an individual who actually... Um, you know, back in the day when before Islam mm. came uh, to this world, before God Almighty inspired and taught uh, our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad the religion Islam, the way that the Arabs lived and the way mm. they were and the way they treated their their women was and their children was something that can just is so flabbergasted. People don't realise. How, in which circumstances Islam was born out of to change people's minds? Indeed, when you look at the time, I think it's a utter darkness everywhere. Mm. And and the, the custom they had, they were fighting all the time, mm. drinking alcohol, not giving rise to, you know, the, the riches are the one who are living uh, in, in the lavish life. Yeah. The people are in need. They are just, you know, they, they, nobody's there for take care of them. And one of the main thing I would like to discuss is the, you know, burying baby girls. Yeah. You know, it was, it was you know, they, they, they used to grieve when uh, a girl was born and they truly considered the daughter to be worthless, worthless than their son. And that time, God has sent light for the people, for the entire world once again through 
the coming of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and through Islam, through the teachings of the Holy Quran, that God exists. God wants them to come out of that darkness. Hmm. And one of the narration I would like to mention, and when once I, you know, I was a missionary in in Sheffield, and <clears throat> I was searching for uh, some kind of uh, incident happened in the lifetime of the Holy Prophet regarding this topic. And when I you know, gone through this. I, I must have gone through it in my university life, but I paid attention to it and I was reading it. And I was looking at my daughter as well, right sitting next to me when I was reading this narration. You know, I had so much pain and I realized that what kind of pain the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, must have felt when he has heard, when he have heard that this, the, the, the Arab or, or the father of that daughter has done. Yeah. I will read the narration where you know, the narration shows that Arabs stain for mistreatment of their daughters. So there's an account of a man who buried his daughter alive or through in a hell or in, in a well. He gave the detailed account of this to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The man said that he had a daughter whom he loved very much. When the daughter was old enough to understand him and could walk, one day he called her to him. She came to her father because he loved him. He took her to the family well and threw the innocent girl in it. He said he could recall that when he pushed her in the well, he could hear her heart-rending screams. She cried, Father, oh my father. So on hearing this, the tears started to flow from the eyes of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Another person sitting there said to the narrator that he had saddened the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The narrator went quiet. However, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, he said to that man to relate the incident again. Yeah. It is reported that even the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, his beard was soaked with the constant stream of tears flowing down his face. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that a person who has a baby daughter, and that day, you know, he said that a person who has a baby daughter and does not bury her alive, does not demon her and does not give her preference to sons over over her shall be given entry to paradise by Allah the Exalted. Wow. You know, it's, it's such a great narration mm. that what was going on and what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has given to baby girls and in general in women. You know, what he felt that what kind of rights must have been given to them, the love he had, the respect he had. You know, we see there's so many incidents I can narrate in the time of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that how he used to live with his wife, with, you know, uh, his mother. And we, we can discuss about how he used to treat her, her daughters, you know, in, in general women. So there are so many things we can discuss where he actually and truly given, you know, the respect and the rights to women. Yeah, you know, um, when when I when I read this hmm. and when you, because, you know, I... My my daughter and also my granddaughter mm. as well. You you automatically think that how in any way could you even have that mindset, right? Yeah. To be able to have that mindset, to be able to mm. bury your daughter mm. back in the day before Islam was 
here. This is nothing to do with Islam because people think mm. this is very clear. This is nothing to do with it was Islam. Just a narrator who came to the Holy Prophet. Yeah, yes. it it was the circumstances. It was the way the people lived. Now f- to create that transformational change mm. in people's lives to be able to give the equal rights of women and to prevent this kind of behavior mm. and the point i want to make just here now is that those same teachings exactly the same teachings are what were taught then are here today so there's nothing new mm. that islam has brought in the in the say in the 20th century 21st century and in the future it's the same teaching that was given then that our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, brought to the world and brought to the world and the teachings were from the same angel, Angel Gabriel, mm. that taught previous prophets. So mm. these are all from God Almighty. So those teachings are prevalent. So when people talk about Islam as an old antiquated religion, it's not. Mm. If you look at the actual teachings of what they teach us today, and only now in the 21st century, and we talked about earlier, right at the beginning of the 19th, uh, just before the First World War, and you know, women were allowed to be have their own property. Hmm. They were allowed to be uh, be divorced and, hmm. and inherit. All this inheritance was already given back then. Hmm. So anyway, that was just something we wanted to, to dwell on while we just talked uh, to our our guest. Uh, but but uh, just want to bring on a guest. I wanted you but wanted to this, say something. This is the purpose of uh, our you know drive time show or any show yeah. we do in here in Voice Islam. Yeah. To give us a true understanding that what Islam is, do not look at Afghanistan or the other countries. Yeah. You know, they are on the extreme side of the world. The television is showing to you the true teachings of Islam is, you know, is, is different what you hear. And that's what we are, you know, running these shows to, you know, get get back to you and tell you what is the true teachings, what Islam says actually about these things. Yeah. I'm not going to get political. I'm going to hold my breath right there <laughs> because of what's happening with the immigration laws at the moment are... You know, you'd be roll, people would be rolling in their graves. But anyway, just before we do that, I want to talk to uh, Ruba Al Zaid, who's joined us, uh, who is a graduate of civil engineering and is also currently studying English as well. So, uh, uh, Ruba, Sister Ruba, thank you very much for joining us today on the Drive Time Show. No, you're most welcome. And we just wanted to talk to you. Uh, I know we've got some questions to you and just talking about our, the subject that we're talking about today, celebrating uh, the International Women's uh, Day that gets celebrated today. Now, I want to ask this question about uh, in Islam, are women discouraged from pursuing an education? Uh, Actually, Islam is the most religion who uh, encourages both female and male to to have education. And, you know, the first revelation uh, for Prophet Muhammad, it's a command to read because it is the most important means of uh, consolidating knowledge and uh, following up its uh, aspects. And um, what Allah SWT said, اقرأ باسم ربك الذي خلق خلق الإنسان من علق so, and, and you know, the after verse he says, uh, خلق الإنسان So, insan is both female and male. And uh, God Almighty showed his favor to his servants when he starts with the pen. 
So the great writing tool comes after reading. And that comment was for both female and male. So education actually is very, very important in Islam because we pass this education to our children too. And we are building a new generation. Thank you very much uh, for that. It is very clear that um, you know the the right to an education is a right for everyone, and you know it was put yep. into actual law not so long ago. So that's why we have free schools and education. But Islam, as you said, was instilled uh, to become educated because we know the benefits of of being educated. Since we we've been discussing the role models, can you? share a little bit about uh, any Muslim women in your life who you are a role model f- is for you? So, um, since I was a child, I was so uh, enthusiastic about uh, a Muslim woman, a lady uh, who uh, was shown uh, to Prophet Muhammad as uh, on, uh, um, on an angel. He sh- uh, showed Prophet Muhammad as hair uh, carried by an angel on a silken uh, piece of cloth. She's um, Lady Aisha, anha. So I was, I grew up reading about her a lot. I was asking myself, why Prophet Muhammad said, take half of your religion from that red woman. woman. So I, I love her so much, mm-hmm. and she delivered so many uh, very important um uh, hadith Sharif, a hadith on on behalf of Prophet Muhammad So she was so intelligent, and she, um, you know, had uh, many uh, attitudes uh, on uh, defending women, uh, women rights too. And she uh, was very brave, um, very brave to uh, to transmit uh, women complaining and uh, um, and questions to Prophet Muhammad and uh, I, I, you know, I always uh, think about her. I, I just take her as my role model in this life. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah great. Yeah. You know, you. if um, you have, uh, as as far as we know, that you have one brother and your five sisters. Growing up, yep. did you ever feel that you or your sisters were not regarded in the same way that your brother was? Uh, actually, never in my so subhanallah. My father always t- like. Uh, insist to teach us the same and he used to sit with us all and to um, pass uh, all what he learned from Amir Jama'a in Syria uh, what he was learning um, everything about Islam and Islam Ahmadiyya he was telling us and he, he was asking us uh, all our opinions my brother and me and all my sisters the same it's one thing I felt a bit definition was not from my home, it's from the outside. Mm-hmm. So people used to ask my father, how come you have only one son and you prefer the six girls? Mm-hmm. And you love all the six girls? And so how we, we grow up all the same. And he was telling them, my daughter is uh, a reason for me to enter paradise. And, you know, my father always uh, encouraged us to have education he always like tell us you I, I you support me one day exactly like your brother so mm-hmm. we all grow up the same <laughs> yeah and you know he one day I I hear my father saying uh, hadith for Prophet Muhammad like 
um, when the night falls, you train your children both from uh, the, the outside because such a time devils spread out. So both, like female and male, it's better to keep them inside when the night. Um, yeah. You know, definitely that's what Islam teaches, and of course, your dad, yeah. your father has followed the the teachings which Quran has given. This is the beauty of Islam. You know, moving on to the next question, I think the scenario is different now. Now you have one daughter and three boys. So, what yeah. has Islam taught you about the way daughters and sons should be treated? If you can just explain to our listeners. Yeah, like beautiful religion. I. Like Muslim, and I'm so happy after I converted to Islam Ahmadiyya that Prophet Muhammad uh, showed us the beauty of Islam, and and I I, I love to to um, sit with my kids and tell them this when I uh, use like when I discuss any topic with my daughter and my son, I found they have the same mind, mm-hmm. like and the same ambitions, the same love to life, even the same suffering. So what Islam taught me, and even I love how, like, uh, Prophet ﷺ treats his daughters and his son the same. I love, I, I love to read from him and to learn from him, السلام, like he treats them both the, the same. Um, I, I, I think that um, what, what Islam taught us to, to teach our children is, is the most important <clears throat> um, yeah. Yeah, because they they are both the same, and and I like as I, my father taught me, I I I I tell them the same. And you know, it's uh, from the greatness of God Almighty that He created a female virtuous in several stages and stages. Like I always tell my daughter that the female causes her father to enter paradise. When she's, she's child and she completes half of her husband's religion once she's married. And also paradise is under her feet once she's mother. So, so both my son and my daughter listen to this and yeah, they act the same. Thank you very much, uh, Ruba. It was a pleasure speaking with you and uh, thank you very much for joining us today. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Rakeem, that was really good. I really like your, your questions about her family and mm. now she become mother. It's that cycle, right? So once you get on, on the conveyor belt and you teach one and then they teach it to their children and, invite, and it keeps going on, that's how we carry on the traditions and the teachings, right? I think this, this is the beauty yeah. and in the family I think you should have. I think you, the, when you're just a child, you learn from your mother. I think mother should be the one who is fully ready to, you know, teach uh, her children. Of course, she can only do so when she has, you know, saw those things in the house. And, of course, it's a great responsibility of the parents. And, you know, Ruba was saying how her father, you know, given the same rights and, you know, in size that you have to have teaching and then she's inculcating the same thing in, in, in her children now. So I think it's very important to have this kind of, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, this kind of, uh, you know, education in, 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 their, in, yeah. in, in their family and they have to inculcate the same attributes, the same, you know, education or whatever they have learned from the ancestor. Mm-hmm. I think they should uh, keep, uh, 
inculcating in the yeah. in, in the children. Yeah, no, uh, you're right. I mean, we're we're coming to the end of mm. the second hour. I can't believe how quickly the time has just shot through there, and there's still so much more content that we wanted to to go through. But what I wanted to do just before we nearly come to the end, just give a couple of examples of our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, my peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, <coughs> and some of his kind of kind treatments of of women. I mean. It, can we just go, go through a, a couple of those? You know, uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had uh, 12 wives, mm. you know. And uh, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has mentioned once, you know, the best among you are the one who is, you know, best with your wife. And it's not something, you know, you can say this is a very normal thing. You know, you have a wife and you have to respect, you have to have so many things, so, so many things come up. There's so many, you know, difficulties you face in your relationship. But the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said you have to have respect towards your wife. Yeah. And he said, and you know, after that, he said, I'm the best, you know, to my wife. So he has given the example. He has shown that how to, you know, to, to give the rise to women and how to respect them. And we find so many narrations in, 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 in the sayings where he has, you know, given the rights to women and he has respected their, you know, uh, their wives and uh, uh, how he has basically helped in her you know, daily routine. Hazrat Umar, the companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, uh, related that my wife occasionally sought to intervene in my affairs with her counsel and I would admonish her, saying that the Arabs had never permitted their women to intervene in their affairs. She would re retort, that is all past. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, lets his wife counsel him in his affair and he does not stop them. Why don't you follow his example? So we see that how the Holy Prophet led her wives to have a discussion. You know, it shouldn't be the discussion of a house that what's going to be, what we're we going to cook today, what we're we going to do that. But mm. if, regardless, what kind of discussion is if there's uh, affairs of business or anything, the Holy Prophet did not stop women to take part or, you know, to, to, to say what they think is right for, for, for that matter. Yeah, and, and also uh, there's another uh, one I want to talk about is about the the, the sentiments mm. of, of women, that what our beloved Holy Prophet Muhammad, his attention to that sentiment, because um, we know how important that that is um, to, mm. to, to take care of. And, his, and the Holy Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he was so careful about the concerning of the sentiments of women that on one occasion when he was leading the prayer, mm. he heard the cry of a child and he concluded the service really quickly mm. and then explaining thereafter that he had heard the cry of a child and he imagined that the child's mother would be so distressed at its cry that he had therefore concluded the service quickly so that the mother could go to the child and look after the child and I think that that again we know how dare the prayer is mm. and how much concentration is required. But obviously, you know, if a mother is hearing their child crying, she, she just will feel very anxious, wouldn't she? She'll want to go. And he understood <clears throat> that. Indeed, you know, it's, if we discuss about the sentiment, as you just said, if we discuss, you know, the Holy Prophet Sallam, attention towards the safety and care of women. Mm. This incident, you know, once during a battle, confusion arose among the ranks of the mounted soldiers. And the animals became unmanageable and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, fell from his horse and some of the women also fell from their yeah. mounts. 
one of his companions who was riding a, ca- a camel immediately behind the holy prophet peace be upon him jumped down and ran toward him crying may i be of your service o messenger of allah the prophet foot was still in the strip you know he was going along with the animal he realized you know and he said do not worry about me go and help the woman yeah you know he was the prophet let's suppose he is the king and he's saying do not worry about me yeah. go and help a woman so yeah. you know the incredible incidents which we find in the life of holy prophet sallam is that he didn't say to take care of them but he actually given yeah. to taken care of them you know he uh, given a true uh you know uh, rights to women like sometimes it's those subtle things as well isn't it i mean there was this incident with our own uh, khalifa hazrat masoor ahmed who is the current mm. head of the worldwide ahmadiyya muslim community and um in his published in his diaries there's an entry um uh, that we wanted to just just give as the example mm. um and it said it said in the writing there it says as we boarded the plane the khalifa was shown to his seats by Munum Naim Sahib who had been waiting at the entrance and um Munum uh, Sahib had identified a particular seat with a bit more legroom for mm. the Khalifa however instead of actually taking the seat our beloved Khalifa indicated to his wife to take the seat and then the Khalifa took the seat with the less legroom for himself that's so subtle but then yeah. you can see the intention is always there right exactly you know that he is the khalif and he is definitely following the true footsteps of the holy prophet peace be upon him and yeah. he is the he is the man uh, you know <laughs> we try to follow his footstep and may god give us you know ability to follow his footsteps as well and that's what he's you know did the same thing with the holy prophet peace be upon him did in his lifetime yeah well there you go i think it just leaves me to just end um by just saying thank you very much for joining us as we discuss just a few of the many historical women who played a massive role in all of the believers in religion and discuss the rights that islam has given to women and if there's anything there that you want to follow up on by all means do obviously forgive any shortcomings that uh, myself Hanif and uh, Magib have had um in this program and if you need anything I'm sure uh, Anik can probably answer your questions in more detail um but anyway that's uh, myself and Anik um ending the show and just wanted to say a, a massive thank you to the producer Zion Karim for putting the notes together and and getting our guests who were fantastic and gave some wonderful insight into this program so that that's the end and I hope to uh, hear and be joining us again at the next drive time show and here is the six news